Welcome to We Are From Dust, podcast episode number two. My name is Katie Eldridge. I'm one of the members of We Are From Dust. We are an art nonprofit organization dedicated to placing and managing large participatory art pieces around the globe. In today's podcast, we chat with Rob Fife. He's the co-owner of Point San Pablo Harbor, longtime burner, philanthropist, and supporter of We Are From Dust. We'll talk to Rob today about his introduction to Burning Man, his attraction and commitment to art, and what he sees for the future of the harbor and We Are From Dust. Rob, thank you for taking time to chat with us today. Thanks for having me, Katie. For people who are not familiar with Point San Pablo Harbor, um, maybe we can describe where that is located and and really what's going on there. You're you're there today talking to us from what the porch of your home. Yeah, I'm sitting upstairs on my floating home looking north across San Pablo Bay. We're on the northern point of a peninsula that sticks out that's part of the city of Richmond. And if I just was to go out in my kayak and look south, I can see San Francisco. But from where I'm sitting, I look across to the hills of Napa and Sonoma and the wildlife refuge that exists all along um, San Pablo Bay. So I don't see any of the bridges. And at night, we see very few city lights. It's a big expanse of water, and we can see stars at night. And yeah, we have a lot of wildlife here. We're on 15 acres of water, which is the marina, and 15 acres of land, which is the upland portion of, of the property here. So we kind of have this really unique place in the Bay Area where we're 20 minutes from Berkeley and 20 minutes from Marin but completely separate and it feels like this rural wonderland on the water. It's a little bit of a, a hidden gem, I think, to even people who have lived in the Bay Area. Anytime I've taken an Uber out to to come to the space, people a lot of people are shocked that A, it exists and they and they don't know where they're going. And when they see it, you you see this, you know, the surprise and the the pleasure come over their face that this place exists. I'm curious how you how you first discovered it and how this came to be. So I had a family business back, you know, from the mid nineties and the work I did was you know, financially somewhat rewarding, but never really captured my spirit. And so when we sold the business, it was sort of a hallelujah, but now what kind of moment for me. And so I guess in 2014 or so, um, I was a small part of getting a new ferry service going on the bay. We started with one catamaran and the idea was to make people's commute better, faster, and to be able to bring small ferries into existing harbors, existing marinas without building large infrastructure, which is how I came across this little harbor. Uh, it was actually one of my captains who first told me about it said there's this really wild place. I heard rumor that it might even be for sale. You should go check it out. And uh, my first thought was I would never want to own a marina, but 
<laughs> um, I will certainly go check it out. It sounds very intriguing. And when I came, it actually exceeded all expectations on you know what is even possible, what could possibly exist here in the Bay Area. The 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 drive in, you know, just blew my mind. It was you know two and a half miles off of the last exit before the Richmond Bridge kind of going out this peninsula and looking at the bay and the views of San Francisco along the way. And then we kind of turned right, you know, away from the water. And I'm thinking, where is this place? And up and over the hill. And as you drive down, you're driving through Oak Forest. And all of a sudden, there's this little harbor. And I was sort of immediately taken by just the funkiness of it, like how does this really even exist so close to one of the most densely populated urban areas uh, in the country. So perhaps we can shed some light on the progress or the changes or the improvements that you've made in this area. Also, what we'd really love to spend some time on too are the art installations that you've worked with We Are From Dust on to, to really make it like an outdoor sculpture park or exhibition area? I think right away our vision was to create a little bit of a destination here, um, you know, kind of a funky roadside attraction type destination that attracted people to come just for the whimsy and the beauty of the place. But it's been a long road. You know, when we acquired the property, it was literally a junkyard. There was maybe 50 plus years of marine related junk that had piled up on we sort of have like three or four acres of flat land and it was covered with mostly junk and so the process really began with cleaning up and that has been an ongoing process at this point it doesn't it no longer looks like a junkyard when you come in there's a big open expanse field and mostly what you see are uh, useful looking structures and you know open land and of course the, the, the big art pieces and so you know in that process we also uh, have on the property an amazing little diner that had not been opened in 15 years and reputedly was just a super greasy spoon you know fisherman style greasy spoon and we also have sort of an event space that was called the sportsman's club and it was a private club for fisher people and their families and over the years had become less about fishing so we had the opportunity there to to do something and and so our vision for the diner was to to create a finer diner it's now called nobilis the name came from a sign that was on the wall when we when we took over the space. It was an old boat that had been in the harbor. And when we looked it up, we found that it meant to become noble in one's lifetime. <laughs> Perfect. And yeah, we loved that. And also it's part of the Latin name for white sea bass, Attractusion nobilis. So we thought, well, this is great. Well, I think the other thing that's so special about that space is it's not as if you took a historic space and gutted it and made it all shiny and new with no nod to its history. I mean, you really feel, you feel the authentic vibe of the place 
with that with that elevated service and a and a, a tasty menu and great and warm service. It's very charming and yeah. and it's kind of perfect. Actually, as we were opening it, it was uh, it was always you know a concern for me because I would think you know who, who's going to come out here um, at the time. The road in was you know the worst potholed road you'd ever experienced and getting from the highway to our road was also that you feel like you're going through a place that could be dangerous. And so there was always the question, you know, who, who is going to come to this diner? And, you know, at the time, Yaela, my fiance said, you know, this is the kind of place that's missing from people's hearts. And I went with that. I said, I, I agree. I think you're right. You know, and I think we've all, many of us who are attracted to harbors and the sea, um, you know, might have grown up with such a place. I know, you know, my father always took me to the fish and chips place, you know, on the water, and it was just a thing. It was a thing we did. <laughs> and and sort of that's what we found is that, you know, over time, over the year that we've been open, people come and they love it and they adopt it. And they're like, this is my spot. And they come back and they bring their friends and the word has spread. Well, and it seems that in tandem with, uh, renovating and reviving some of these gems in the harbor alongside that art has appeared and I'm, I'm wondering how how that came to be and and how that has played in with with kind of your overall vision for the harbor yeah well the art has been a tremendous uh benefit and just has absolutely drawn people just for the sake of seeing the art, they've heard about it, they wanna come and see it, and it's beloved by all the people who come. Really the vision came, I met Yams Ayeni at a Burning Man event at the annual large prom of Burning Man in San Francisco known as the Artumnal Gathering. And on, this particular night, we had yet to close on the property, but I was excited about it and I was sharing, you know, this this potential with my community and really seeing that this was a place for community and talking talking to people like, wow, you know, look at look at this place, you know, little pirate marina, what are we gonna do? And I was introduced to Yams through my friend Ray Richmond, who actually was um, the person that gave me my first Burning Man ticket. And she said, do you know Yams? And Yams and I started chatting and he was telling me about his vision to bring big Burning Man style art to non-festival environments, to bring art to places that were unique and interesting, not, not sort of downtown square, but unique places that people would intentionally want to go to, to see these pieces, you know, with the intention of first helping artists get funds for their work uh, to support artists and also to give home to art that often, you know, goes to Burning Man and then comes back and some poor artist is paying storage when people should be out enjoying what they've created. And so Yams is telling me about his vision and I said, well, 
that's really exciting. I love that vision. And I showed him a, a drone photo of, of the harbor and, you know, it's taken, you can see the, the water and you can see the hillside. And I said, we just, I'm closing on this property. And I think that this would be an incredible place to bring your vision. And so we had a great conversation and kind of left it at that. And I didn't really think much of it. Uh, you know, it was in the back of my mind, but I didn't really, you know, it's like one of those things that is wonderful and it's possible, but it seems like a big reach and probably won't happen. And the first year at the harbor was literally me in and out of a dumpster, <laughs> pulling, pulling junk and putting it away. So I uh, hadn't really thought about it. And I ran into Yams. He, he, was there was there was an art car that brought him to walk-in camping and he saw our beautiful shade structure we have a big water tower we're the lar largest little camp in walk-in um and uh he and candace locklear um walked out to see what this was all about and ran into ran into me and uh it was kind of like, wow, here we are again. And I said, yeah, it happened. We, we, have, we have the place. And he said, fantastic. You know, um, you know and, and Yams is from the UK. So again, my hopes were not that high, though every time I spoke with him, it, it seemed like, wow, this, this, this could be real. You know, Yams has a very contagious enthusiasm, which I really, really appreciate about him. So I said, fantastic. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. And we stayed in touch and he started to put together a, a team of incredible burners that had all the, all the right credentials to pull this thing off. And, uh, you know, we started, started to, to think about, okay, well, what would we want? What, what would be great here? And, um, you know, we, we got lucky. I'm, I'm friends with Kate Roddenbush. And I said, yeah, if we could ever get one of Kate's pieces, that would be really incredible. And so it just so happened right after her, her piece, Futures Past, was getting moved after being, you know, shown at the Smithsonian for the, the Art of Burning Man show in Washington, D.C. Uh, I got a call and uh, Will Chase says, Kate's piece is being put on a truck and uh, could come to the harbor if you're ready. <laughs> and I said, absolutely, let's have it. And so that was, that was the first thing that happened. Um, and I got busy building a place for, for the piece to sit. And lo and behold, Futures Past showed up. Kate came with her crew, and Futures Past is our very first piece. And so we should let people know. So that was that was piece number one at the harbor. And since then, you've made some other very notable additions in the in the large installation art realm from Michael Christian, Peter Hazel, and Paige Tashner. Yes. Um, I personally would love to hear uh, a little background on your experience, first experiencing Peter Hazel's piece on the playa, <laughs> and then how it ended up in the harbor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, 
first of all, I, I feel incredibly blessed to have these pieces here and I'm really grateful to the artists. Um, and I know that Yams and We Are From Dust uh, uh, have also created something amazing where in which, you know, the artists are getting funding. And um, nonetheless, I feel incredibly grateful to the artists for entrusting me and Point San Pablo Harbor with, with their work. The piece of large interactive art that inspires me so much is that it has the ability to transform people's experience of a place and experience of themselves. Um, in that place. And I've, I've witnessed this day in and day out here at the harbor. Um, people come with their families and they, they eat it up and they're just, you know, as you see at Burning Man, just people are completely blown away and inspired by these pieces. So yeah, Peter Hazel's piece was one of those pieces for me last year at Burning Man. So, you know, I never actually have become nonchalant about my experience there every year. It, I get that same feeling of, oh my God, it's bigger and more incredible than it, it is even in, in my mind. <laughs> and there's so much to see and, you know, there's so many people to visit with. And so the week-long experience or however long you get to be there is often a very full experience of going from place to place and you know, riding by art and sometimes stopping and sometimes spending time with it, but but not always as much as, as, as you'd like. But Peter Hazel's piece really captured me this year. I was doing sort of a sleep during the day and out all night kind of routine this year, you know, waking up to, to, to have dinner and watch sunset and then uh, going out all night and waiting for sunrise. And this particular morning, sunrise happened and I was making my way back to camp and I came across Niloticus. Niloticus is a giant 41 foot mosaic crocodile um, tile, all handmade. Every tile was handmade uh, and it's just incredible. It has sort of a perfect likeness to the crocodile that he modeled it after, which is a Nile crocodile. And that's a Latin name for the Nile crocodile is Niloticus. And he's just this magical being and his mouth is wide open and his teeth are made of blown glass and his eyes light up at night and his ostroderm, which are the bumps along his back are all green glass that light up and, and uh, the, the glass is actually uh, recycled Jameson bottles in perfect Burning Man style. And it's just this incredible, beautiful piece. And you, as interactive art is, you can climb on Niloticus. So the sun had just come up and I, I jumped, jumped on his tail and climbed up his back and sat up on his nose and as the sun came up, the tile warmed up and it was just this most lovely, incredible experience to be sitting there. It was almost as if I was poolside on these beautiful blue and green tiles. And, um, and I sat there, turned out for three or four hours and just watched as people interacted with this piece. And it was just so incredible. There was uh, 
so so the mouth you can get in the mouth but it's it's not obvious at first that you can because you kind of need to get up on something to get into it and uh peter had left just an orange bucket close by and um you know kind of ugly so people would tend to you know look around and grab the bucket and bring it over and stand on it and get in and then get their pictures taken and then you know get off and move the bucket <laughs> and so every time someone new would come they would get all excited and climb up and want to get in the mouth and i'd be like oh yeah yeah the orange bucket right over there <laughs> and um yeah it was just incredible i mean people people loved it They're, you know i mean i was i was on it of course for three or four hours and but i would get down and i would take people's picture and um uh, met a ton of people that morning some people that I have stayed in touch with and you know got pictures sent of me and we sent pictures back and forth of, of you know the, the people that got to experience it that morning so lo and behold uh, on my fourth hour of being there um, Peter Hazel himself shows up and uh, he had been there actually when I first arrived and I hadn't interacted with him and when he came back, I sort of laughed and said, yeah, I'm still here. And he said, oh, my God, that's incredible. Um, and I said, I'm very, I'm very interested in this piece. And he, he kind of shrugged and said, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> and uh, I told him about the harbor. And I think I wrote his name in Sharpie on my arm. And we stayed in touch. And Yams was able to raise the funds to uh, help bring Niloticus here. It's quite a tale to have that, just that authentic connection with a piece and have it be a complete element of surprise, not knowing it's gonna be there, not knowing that you're gonna connect with this and then having the ability or the tenacity or the vision to have it be a part of this community that you've, that you've created. Yeah, I mean, I was really kind of surprised, in fact, that it didn't already have a home. Um, I'm just super grateful that it's here. And it really is sort of a centerpiece when you drive in. Niloticus is, you know, there to greet you. And it's just fantastical. It's whimsical. It adds an element of lightness, of comedy, of, you know, um, you know, every, every art piece brings its own magic. And one of the magical things to me about Niloticus is that sort of sense of play and of fun that that uh, he inspires. And I'm also Egyptian, and so my mother's from Egypt, and so the idea that the idea that he's a Nile crocodile really also was quite inspiring to me. There's a an ancient Egyptian god Sobek who is a crocodile. And Sobek is both a protector and god of fertility, both of which are things that we need here. So That's uh, we've, we've since planted about 15 fruit trees kind of in Niloticus's area. And so, yeah, we're excited. Work is magic. <laughs> yes. So just to perhaps describe to people who haven't had the pleasure of coming to the harbor about the other other two um, installations that people can see when they come visit. And we should also mention that this is free and open to the public. Absolutely. Each piece, you know, placement becomes really important to me because it's got a, 
work with the space. And Astropod sits right at the end of our jetty. And during a high tide, when there's a storm from the north, gets sprayed with bay waters. And so Michael, knowing the placement of this piece, took it to the largest galvanizing studio or shop in, in the country and had it hot dipped galvanized and then hand sanded off all the sharp edges. Um, so it's this incredible, durable, woven steel sphere. And what's really beautiful to me about it is that it, it doesn't really block any of the views, that it's sort of translucent. You see, you know, through through this sort of organic woven steel pattern all the way through it from wherever you are. And at night, the lighting from the inside lights up all of the steel um, and creates sort of this magical looking orb. And then finally, we have the purr pods that arrived not too long ago. And you would pass them as you're walking out to Astropod. Yeah, so purpods are actually visible from the diner. They're right across from the outdoor seating at the diner. And, you know, what I love about the purpods is how excited children get when they see these two cats. Um, so the cats are, uh, Paige says she, she modeled them kind of um, in the size of sort of a VW bug. Um, she wanted them to be liftable, easily liftable and all of that. So they're, they're not massive, but they're, they're big enough that, you know, they're fun to climb on. And um, so they're two cats and they're made with circular pieces of steel um, and they're fun to climb on. And children, as soon as they come to the restaurant, they beeline over to the cats and climb on them and sit on them. And um, they're, they're also interactive um, in that she's installed. Uh, there, there's, there's these special little places, sort of unique looking circles, kind of a circle within a circle, where if you pet them, the cats actually purr and, and vibrate. Um, and so it's always fun to watch, you know, the children, they know, they know there's a, there's a trick to it and they're looking around to figure out, oh, how do we make these purr, um, and sharing that with the people around them. Um, it's, uh, it, and, and again, placement, it's so important. Um, and, you know, where, when you're sitting at the restaurant, originally this had been parking where, where the purr pods now live. And, uh, when we were opening the restaurant, I delineated this whole area mainly to preserve the view. I said, okay, no more parking here. We wanna be able to see the bay from sitting at the restaurant. And so there's a straight view out to, to uh, uh, kind of San Rafael and um, you know, the, the sort of Southern part of our, our, our property. And it's been really the best decision I've made in terms of you know, where, these, where, where, where they should go, that they'd get the most um, attention. And on any given weekend when the restaurant's going, you know, people are loving the cats. Do you, do you recall being um, aware of when art became a priority for you in your life? 
you know, I, I, I didn't really know anything about big art until my first experience at Burning Man. So in 2007, I was gifted my first ticket and I had been in business school and, you know, I had two children and running a business, you know, pretty, pretty large enterprise, had a couple hundred employees and it just wasn't really on my radar. Met Ray Richmond, who at the time was sort of on the board of directors uh, of the Burning Man organization. And she gifted me my first ticket. And literally within an hour of being on Playa, I felt completely transformed by my experience there. And I think, I think it's a combination of the art and kind of getting a sense of how much work and how much creativity and how much passion the community brings to the work. And it was also the placement. I mean, for me, it was, again, experiencing the playa itself and these works of art kind of on a, a canvas that didn't, that, that enhanced what I was looking at. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, in an urban setting where it was like, okay, yeah, this, you know, because sometimes the scale and, and everything feels small when you're in a downtown area the art doesn't you don't really get what you're experiencing because you're surrounded by tall buildings um and so i kind of i feel like i was i was changed pretty much pretty significantly through that experience and i truly believe that there's something that shifts in us when we see just how incredible the large artwork that that people create when it hits us it's it 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 changed me it made me it brought me back to myself it brought me back to the person i was as a teen with you know kind of relit a fire in terms of my inspiration and my desire to to do more in the world can you tell us a little bit about how life has changed at the harbor during this um during this pandemic i mean some of the things we could obviously assume but also you're such a motivated visionary that i'm sure it's also inspiring some other thoughts for you or projects oh yes absolutely um it's it's uh it's been a strange time like uh, I mean, that's an understatement, right? Um, <laughs> uh, early on in, in the sort of stay-at-home uh, order or social distancing order, um, you know, we were all wondering ourselves, you know, were we infected? On March 8th, we had uh, this incredible band, Doobie Decibel System, play at the club. And, you know, they they bring an incredible crowd and make these incredible posters and live stream their their shows and you know it was just an incredible moment um and then the following weekend you know we wanted to keep the restaurant open we were open friday we were open saturday and by the time sunday came around we realized that you know this, this was uh 
the seriousness was getting more and more elevated. And, and really on that Friday and on that Saturday, people were coming and they were sort of saying like, yeah, I wanted to come because I have a feeling that, you know, things are gonna change here. Um, and it was all kinds of people um, coming. And so we closed the restaurant and, but, but the harbor uh, remained open and slowly but surely the uh, parks started to close and you know we have we have a residential community here as well we have 35 residents and we all share bathrooms um, and facilities and there was sort of you know growing concern about just security in this in this strange moment um, and so we've we've put up a sign just saying that the harbor is closed currently, um, and it's been quiet. You know, it's been quiet for the last few weeks. We've we've had less people visiting. Um, you know, people are still coming on bicycle and by foot, but but less and less. I think everyone is definitely recognizing that stay home really means mostly stay home. Um, you know, our bathrooms aren't, aren't, we're not capable of managing all of the risk. Um, and so we're kind of on pause. Um, we're on pause with the restaurant. We're on pause with the events uh, and music. And to some extent, we're on pause with, you know, having the, the 500 to 1,000 visitors that we were having um, on a typical weekend. Um, it's inspired other projects. I mean, in, in our plan, you know, a community garden was always in the plan. Um, and so we have invested in the materials to do that. And uh, I have a crew um, that uh, actually is ready to start on that. Um, there's, a, there's a new gentleman here. Uh, who was coming to, to live and work here before this all happened and, and that that's continued to, to happen and he's he used to have a gate and fence company so we're getting ready to build a, a deer fence for our community garden and some raised beds um, and again uh, you know I think this will be part of the attraction of the harbor we also have 20 goats I hadn't mentioned that and chickens um, and so in a way, the harbor has been an incredible blessing during this time. Um, you know, I have access to the bay. I can hop in my kayak or my sailboat. Um, I'm surrounded by nature. I can go for a walk. Um, the residents, all the residents have the same opportunities here. But yeah, I mean, we are, we are certainly watching and, and anticipating that you know, we'll, we'll slowly reopen uh, when, when it seems like that's the right thing to do. And if someone asks you about, about the role or the focus of we are from dust, how would you, I mean, from your experience, how would you describe the, the mission and, and, how that's, and how that's impacted what you've got happening at the harbor? I mean, for us, it's it's absolutely fits with who we are and what we're trying to do. Um, you know, it 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 inspires me to have the art here, but it also inspires everyone that comes. And 
gives people more of a reason to come and more of a reason to love this place. As far as the work that We Are From Dust is doing, I mean, I'm a big supporter. I've been uh, financially donating and specifically writing on those donations that this is to bring the vision and mission to other places, not not to the harbor. I would like the funding and the artwork that that I'm able to get to come through through others who believe in this vision too. And that my contribution goes towards bringing the vision to a second site and a third site. I, you know, I think more than ever, you know, we need, we need things that uplift our spirit and bring us joy that, that isn't based on pure pragmatism or capitalism or that allows people to create and provides a venue for that creation. I mean, it, it's really akin to having a gallery where a painter can show their work. Well, this is, this is a gallery where artists who do big art um, can show their work. Well, Rob, I think that's just a, you know, a great sentiment and a great place to, to, to leave it. And we just, we really appreciate all you've done for, I mean, for your community, but also um, everyone else who is free to come experience these large installations and hopefully we'll we'll get back to some some sort of normalcy so so people who haven't had the experience of of coming out um, to the harbor can can experience that along with um, chowder yeah well (laughs) this this too shall pass and um you know for sure we're gonna see um the play the the harbor open up again to the public uh there's no no doubt in my mind and you know it it, it's gonna it's gonna take baby steps to get all of it going again um you know it's it's really hard as a restaurant because so much of it is getting your personnel and and your machinery working and um it's going to be very interesting to 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 see how quickly we can get going again but without a doubt we will be open and we will be welcoming to the public and our wonderful Burning Man community. And I welcome everyone to come and see this place, come see the art and just come see what what, uh, this place is. Um, Come and enjoy the bay and uh, bring a fishing rod, bring a kayak. Hopefully the finer diner will be ready to serve you on the weekend like it like it did not too long ago. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for your work. Thank you again to our guest today, Rob Fife, co-owner of Point San Pablo Harbor. To learn more about the harbor, please visit PSPHarbor.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are From Dust podcast. You can support the We Are From Dust mission by contributing to our current crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. By doing so, you are helping to get art into communities around the world and to get artists paid for their valuable work. Information is online at wearefromdust.org.